This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. We want to welcome you to a very special edition of Real Talk on this August 11th. We have spent this electrifying week, as teed up by Charles Adler on Tuesday morning, talking about renewables, about wind and solar, about what's powering our province, our home province of Alberta right now, and what will power it and drive its economy into the future. You've heard from an expert voice at the Pembina Institute. You've heard from the government's environment minister, Rebecca Schultz. And you've heard from the energy critic, Najwan Aljunaid, or the NDP, the MLA out of Calgary, plus energy economist Andrew Leach yesterday. Comprehensive coverage, as you would expect on a show like Real Talk. But of course, we're wrapping up this week with something a little lighter, something a little less political. Definitely, I guarantee something that's going to inspire you as we present our Real Talk roundtable with three guests that have traveled from afar to join us in studio to talk about why Alberta's own New Murnham School is being recognized as literally one of the world's best. In fact, the school has been shortlisted as one of the top 10 schools in the world when it comes to environmental action. We're going to get into that with our guests, the principal, the award-winning teacher, and one of their students that's about to launch her own post-secondary career And the sky's the limit there. I can't wait to introduce you to our three friends. But first, I want to let you know that, of course, with summer now getting into the back nine, and I hate to put it that way, but it is on our radar. You know, soon enough, the kids are going to be heading back to school and everybody's going to be getting back into their work routine. A lot of folks for the past six weeks or so have had vacation on the brain But I bet you're thinking bigger than that. You know that summer is the best time to take that real estate course you've been thinking about and start a career that you actually love. It's not too late to do that. As a matter of fact, this weekend might be the perfect time to leave cubicle life behind for good with Rello. Rello's online real estate courses are fully accredited to help you get your real estate license right here in Alberta. Get licensed to sell residential real estate, commercial real estate, or even both with Rello's convenient, self-paced courses. You can visit Rello.ca, that's R-E-L-O.ca today to get started. It was just under a year ago, it was last fall, that on a Monday episode of Real Talk, you know, presented by our friends at Kubi Renewable Energy, we bring you positive reflections, right? It's our, it's our weekly tradition, our reminder that there are wonderful things happening around us, that, that there are encouraging things happening all around us that, that sometimes don't get coverage in the news cycle. Sometimes these are the best stories, but they're the stories that are flying under the radar. And we introduced you to a teacher by the name of Mr. T. I mean, his parents named him Robert Tamafachak, but everybody calls him Mr. T, and he had just won a pretty big award, as a matter of fact, the Prime Minister's Award for Teaching Excellence. So he and his principal, his boss at New Burnham School, Daniel Erickson, had joined us here on the show, and a bunch of you reached out to say how glad you were to hear about their environmental initiatives and how they were teaching the, the learners of today and the leaders of tomorrow about things like sustainability and net zero emissions and, and all that kind of cool stuff well 
I'm thrilled that our friends at New Burnham School have kept in touch with us and, and kept us in the loop as these programs, these initiatives have continued to pick up traction and, of course, gain attention literally around the world. So it's a huge thrill and a real honor he made a two-hour drive at 6 o'clock in the morning to get here to welcome back to the show, but this time in person, in our studio. It's Mr. T, Mr. Tomofichuk here in studio, Principal Erickson. So nice to see you, and you've brought one of your, can I say, shining stars as well with you. This is Hannah Sarams. Hannah, welcome to Real Talk. You're making your debut today. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. <laughs> uh, congratulations. You you've graduated, like, uh, what, five weeks ago, graduated from grade 12? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Did you, did you, uh, this was you know, your entire uh, high school career at New Mernham School. You've been there for a while. You got a good lay of the land. Oh, yeah. I've been there since preschool. So, yeah, it's a K to 12 school. So, I've been there forever. And it's, it's like a little home there. I really love it. It's like everyone's really connected junior high, senior high. It's great. When you were there, did you recognize that there was something a little different in the water at New Mernham School? Did you, did you recognize at the time that they did things a little bit different, that your learning was, was happening with maybe some, some different or more involved applications than young learners at other schools? Oh, definitely. I remember in grade six, Mr. T said, well, we're going to make a wind turbine. And I said, no, <laughs> like, why aren't we just reading from the textbook? And he said, no, 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 it's going to be fun. Like, we're going to make a wind turbine. And I was like, oh, this is weird, you know. And um, I remember going to like volleyball tournaments and whatever. And I see these other schools and we're talking and they're like, you're doing what? And I was like, yeah, we're going to make a wind turbine. Like, it's weird, but I think it'll be fun. And yeah, looking back, like what an amazing experience that was like how crazy that is and unique to be doing something like that. So how many students at this school, approximately? Oh, there's like, how many? How many, Principal Erickson? Uh, so K to 12, we're, we're about at 120 students. 120 students yeah. all the way in. So you average approximately-ish 10 students per class or, or, or per grade. Ish. <laughs> ish. Yeah. That's, a, that's a big ish. I'm sure uh, that some have like four and some have 20. Yes. And there and there's a lot of split classes in with, with that, right? Like we've got a grade one, two class, a grade yeah. three, four, grade five, six. Uh, but yeah, about 120 students and, and they're busy. Like we keep them busy on all of these, all of these different projects. Well, we, that's obvious. We need more kids because we have too many big, big ideas. Too many big ideas, not enough kids. Yeah. I love this. So this is some, this is like a type of scenario where you, you've had a teacher like Mr. T all the, all the way coming up. So like, did you have him in oh, elementary yeah. school? You had him in junior high. You had him in high school. Oh yeah. He's, he's been here. He's been my shop teacher since like, as soon as I could start taking shop in junior high when it was offered. It's a good thing that he's a decent guy. Oh, he's great. Because I can think of some teachers I had coming up. Most of them were great. Most of them were gems, but a couple of them, if I had to have them for 12 years, I think I might have moved, <laughs> you know? You know? You've been there for a while, haven't you? Uh, actually, this is uh, year six for me. Year six. Yeah, year six. So um, I started off my career back in 1990 with St. Paul Education, uh, 14 years in, in St. Paul at Glen Avon. And then into a virtual school for about uh, five or six years, and then eight years as a tech coach, and then been at Mernham for the last about six years. And it's all the project-based work that got me in there to start off with. Yeah. It's been amazing. Yeah, this guy, it's for people that most people will hear this on the podcast. And so I, I think they can probably still hear the three of you smiling while you talk, but it's very evident <laughs> on YouTube for people that see your faces that the minute that any of you, it's very clear, even having known you for 10 minutes, Hannah, um, that when you get a chance to talk about what you've been doing at this school, you're pretty proud of it. Yes. You're pretty excited about it because 
there's the, the, the whole approach to learning is different there, isn't it? I mean, is this, is this a culture that you established, uh, Danielle, right when you started as principal? Oh, goodness, don't give me any of the credit for establishing the culture at Murnham School. I, I feel a little bit like I'm riding the coattails of the principals that came before me. Okay. Um, uh, I, I've, I started teaching about the same time that Robert started, or I started teaching in Murnham about the same time Robert started, uh, started doing a lot of the tech coach stuff there. Um, and our principal at the time is now, uh, an associate superintendent of our school division, um, uh, Keith Gamblin. And then we had, uh, Mrs. Adrian Owen came after that. Uh, and, and I've, I've been there the whole time and and maybe part of it but I would I would credit those two with with the shift in culture and the shift to the shift from here's a teacher standing at the front of the room here's your skill you're working on here's your worksheet let's yeah. practice it to this this idea of like a project based approach uh it's it, it, but it, it transformed the way that I teach, and I think it's transformed our school and our culture. And it does; it, it creates a pride in the students because they're not just learning a random skill that then they're practicing on a worksheet. They have something tangible in front of them, and these life skills they're learning from it, and and they have some real pride in that, which is pretty amazing to see. A hundred percent, and it, and it's important. I'm, I'm I'm the son of a teacher, by the way, and I, I'm the grandson of a school administrator. My grandpa was the chair of the Calgary Catholic School Board in Calgary for a lot of years, and and. All all three of his daughters became teachers. There's always been a huge appreciation for education in our family. And I understand that things like school pride and all that do go a long way for sure. But schools also, I think, are more aware now of, of almost like you might call it a mandate or a mission to ensure that young learners are are getting as prepared as they possibly can at an age-appropriate level for, for job market or to make an appropriate post-secondary choice. We see a lot of stigma being lifted, I think, of off of some post-secondary options where some people may have thought 15 years ago that, that a tech or a vocational school might have been something that was lesser than university, where now I see a lot of people finding a really great fit at, at, at technical schools, at, at polytechnic schools, stuff like that. Has, has this evolution and have these trends influenced your approach to educating I would think so um, you know my own kids when they went through um, years back it was you need to go to university to be successful and there are so many uh, opportunities out there what the cool part is um, one person told me and I think this is true that um, most of the um, jobs or careers that the students will experience haven't been invented yet Hard to imagine, really. Yeah. Yeah, so but then, like, what are we preparing them for? Like, it used to be we want to make sure that you have these good grades and good, good, you know, reading level so that you can you can be really successful in, in university or college. Um, but anymore, like, is is that the skill? And, and, and if, if that's the goal that you're trying to get all kids through with, with you know, this high reading level... Is, is that the only thing that you want them to achieve or do you want them to have some other, like you talk about those life skills and things. Um, and, and I think that education is more and more aware of the fact that we need, we need, we need all kids to succeed and how do we get all kids there? Um, and actually Robert and I, we were talking about it on the way up here. We had a, a neat um, tour of the Elko engineering uh, garage at the U of A um, and our the person taking us on that tour talked about these engineering students that they have come in and they, they they're great they're brilliant they all know calculus advanced physics and then they get to a job site and they can't read a tape measure right and and so I I, I hope that the project-based approach kind of helps kids 
to to learn some of those other skills that they're they don't necessarily get in the, in the traditional math class. Yeah. I love this from Michelle. She's watching. She says things like this school and these programs give me hope for the future, uh, which is great. We're gonna we're gonna talk about some. As a matter of fact, why don't we tee up uh, like one of the really cool projects you're doing? We're gonna talk about a whole bunch of them. I'm so great. We when we did positive reflections with you, what was it, like ten months ago or something like that. We had I think we did like five minutes. Maybe it was ten minutes. We're hanging out with you this morning. Um, I mean, you drove in two hours to be here. We're <laughs> <laughs> going to take some time to properly talk about it but but what, what what what's this what's the story with this building there's like the the, the the town owns this building and they've have they sort of bequeathed it to the school and you <laughs> you guys are converting it to net zero the students are converting it to net zero what's going on yeah. here so I'll, I'll give you a bit of background so uh in Murnum there is uh a, like it's the village of Murnum Murnum's a very very small place maybe about 600 residents or so and uh years back they knew that um like career training was a very important part of the future. So uh, there were some founders um, that had a lot of vision and they um, developed this building called the, the uh, CTEC building, Career Training Education Center, and it's owned by the village. And we're essentially the uh, primary leasers of that building. And this is where we do our project-based work in there. So on the uh, west side of the building, there's a huge shop and we have like our, um, you know, um, Team Tiny Home, where it's we're converting a like a school bus into like a net zero living space. Uh, we have a team hydroponics, where that's where where Hannah uh, fit in so much. Um, essentially, um, feeding our school and feeding our community. And right now, we have a um, well smaller, like a, a 5.3 kilowatt uh, grid tied solar array on top of the building that's actually owned by the school on the community building. And Team Net Zero this year is trying to get. Um, us to net zero from electricity standpoint and essentially we're going to do it through solar so that's what we've been working on the past year and this is uh, going to continue work in september how cool is this as a student hannah to be to, to be participating in stuff like this does it i mean i guess this is kind of like your normal right? this, yeah. this is what you've known so this is what you think everybody's school experience is like but oh, yeah. so, so you're on team hydroponic yeah. Right. So, so you're 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 understanding not just like the plant life cycle and all photosynthesis and all that kind of stuff. I'm already out of my depth, by the way. <laughs> I've already used up all the words that I know related to growing plants. Um, but but so but then you deepen your understanding to a point where where you're actually taking action and seeing these projects come together. Oh yeah, it's amazing. Like um, when I first started, I really kind of I didn't know a lot about it. Like I knew the same things you were saying and. Um, I learned how to like measure pH levels, EC levels to make sure plants are growing properly. We had three different systems running. So we had a whole tower. I think it produced around 150 plants and it was all romaine and iceberg lettuce. Yeah, there it is. And then um, we did another one and it was just like peppers and basil and all that kind of stuff. It was it was beautiful in there. It was great. And we had tomatoes and everything. And um it's amazing how much you can learn from like, like, yeah, we're just growing plants, but like we learned how to like plumb things. Like we were doing all the plumbing for all like wow. all those towers. And like, yeah, we did that all ourselves. Like those were like, we didn't buy those. Like those are all made out of trial and error. And like, I'm really proud 
that I could be part of something like that. As you should be. Do you, do, do your teachers like does Mr. T take you into the you know the, the serious stuff on on the social side as well? Do you talk about stuff like food inequity? Do you talk about stuff like the you know climate change impact on on crop survival around the world and drought conditions and and do, do, do you get into that kind of stuff as well and 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 have a deep understanding of of why the scientific application of some of the the growing tech is so valuable or important to know? I mean, does the, does the learning extend into social studies and, and everything else as well? Yeah, we've covered like a little bit of that, just like, um, but mostly we've been focusing like on like how much our like food and the stuff we're doing, like our projects are impacting our community. Like we were able to supply lettuce and basil to a town like St. Paul. And uh, we were feeding people with that. Like we were supplying them with fresh ingredients, local ingredients to use at their restaurant. How did that make you feel? Oh, it was amazing. It felt so cool. And um, my family took me there to eat supper one day. And it was like, it was the coolest feeling that I grew that and then someone sold it to me. Like, that is so weird. It was so full circle. <laughs> yeah, it was so like, that was at the Twisted Fork in St. Paul, right? Yes. Is that, that we one were, of their local restaurants? Yes. And their, and their kind of big thing is, is lo- the, everything that's in their restaurant, it, 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 I think their menu changes um, periodically based on what they can kind of get that's farm fresh uh, within a certain kilometer distance or something. So they were, they were a big seller. Uh, We also sold to uh, CJ's restaurant, uh, which is in Murnham. Um, And then we also sold some, uh, quite a bit of basil because somehow the towers produced a ton of basil. We had more than we could possibly, um, you know, sell to St. Paul. And so uh, I actually took some to the Red Brick, which is a little neat little coffee shop in Vermilion as well. So we were, we were selling our produce all over the place. We love all these shouts out to small businesses in, in the towns. I mean, these, these are the people, these are the salt of the earth people that are uh, like, you know, I'm I'm just, I'm hearing about, to be honest with you, the Twisted Fork restaurant for the very first time right now. Um, What did you say? Red Brick Cafe as well? Shout out to them. Uh, Twisted Fork's got a great website, by the way. Now, now I'm down in the rabbit hole, you guys. They got Bumbleberry Jam, Saskatoon Jam. Are you kidding me? They probably make all this themselves, don't they? Looks like it. You don't have to speak on behalf of the restaurant. That's fine. <laughs> uh, how 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 big of a deal is it for you to like? I'm, I'm sure that this isn't an accident that your students are connecting with community, that they're forging these early relationships with other entrepreneurs and people that are making a difference, right? In oh, their yeah. own square footage. Yeah, it's it's done on purpose, and uh, we. We've, we've applied for the uh, A plus for energy grants from Inside Education and received them for the last seven consecutive years, um, and and those have really been a, an interesting kind of jumping off point for for our school and for our projects because tied within that project in order to receive the grant. Um, community involvement is a piece of it and so as a as a staff and as a as a student group that's helping to kind of pick the projects that we work or that we apply for each year um, community involvement is a piece of that and and there are a lot of students and Hannah included maybe when we first started who were really hesitant and didn't want to have that community involvement piece because they were really nervous about having to talk to an adult and having to make a phone call and and actually talk to the person on the other end and not just text them or send them, you know, a smiley face or something like they actually had to 
to speak. And so there's a lot that kind of get hesitant with it. But then, I mean, you can see, like, we we had no prep for Hannah today. We just sort of picked her up and said, okay, we're going to go and do this live interview. And she's like, yeah, okay, yeah. I got it. Like, no problem. But you, you, you learn some of those kind of on-the-fly skills and, and communication skills along with everything else. You know, one of the things them. I love about Hannah already, having just known you for a very short time, is some people will come in here into a studio, right? And it's like their first time doing something like this. And they'll be like, I'm so nervous. And I always say, I just say to them, don't, there's nothing to really do. What, what did you say? Remember what she said right before we got started? She said, I am so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I said, that is a very good sign because obviously you're very proud and you should be of, of what you and your, your colleagues are doing, you and your fellow students. Um, our live chat is buzzing this morning. They have been all week. Uh, these are people, these are like the most engaged Albertans, most engaged Canadians you're ever going to meet. But, but I love this. Like, for example, Bunny says, the more I educate myself on issues, the more I get focused on doing whatever my household can do uh, for its part or to do its part when it comes to the environment, right? I mean, you're instilling something, Mr. T, in these students that's amazing. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, obviously, you know, kind of the jokester in me is like you got a bunch of 16, 17-year-olds that understand hydroponics and plumbing right now. It's, you know, there's a lot of punchlines there for sure. Um, but you've also got a bunch of people, young people right now that are going to be probably talking to their parents and their grandparents saying, hey, like it wouldn't be that big of a deal to run this on solar or it wouldn't be that big of a deal to install this for sustainability on our own home front, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So even that hydroponic system that you were showing the pictures of, uh, that was actually sort of researched by junior high, um, constructed by junior high. In fact, they started with a little popsicle stick model of, hey, this is what it's supposed to look like. So what you can see on the screen there is um, one, there's a left and a right side to it first like system one system two and system three start off with a single system and we said hey let's let's do this and the one system um, grew amazingly we had tomato plants that were touching the ceiling and cucumber and kale and uh, all types of lettuce and the word got out in the community and one of our parents uh, ends up with uh, going to local businesses and said look uh, we're looking for donations we want to scale this up and about ten thousand dollars in donations came in and essentially we built system two and system three to scale the amount of food that we're producing. And the, the best part too is it's almost net zero production because with the uh, grid tied uh, solar array on the roof, essentially it's like, an in, like a greenhouse except it's year round. Because wow. you know you try to grow things in wintertime, not much is gonna happen. Sure. Yeah. Although, uh, do do we uh, do we automatically write things off? Are we are we hardwired to be too cynical and write? We, we've had now. It is fair criticism. You know, things like solar panels don't work as well in the winter. That's just a fact. And, and, and even people that sell or are in the business of solar won't try to tell you that your panels are going to generate as much in the middle of December as they do in the middle of June. That's obvious. But people will also say they're not as ineffective as you think. And, and we've had a lot of conversation this week because, as you know, around us, right, the, the provincial government's declared this moratorium on wind and solar projects. And it's, it, it's really, and, and I'm going to give this show some credit for really driving conversation this week across the province around this. Do you, do you think people are surprised when they learn about new tech or sustainable energy or a different way of doing things, how effective or efficient or, or even how easy it might be to implement? Well, what's interesting about solar is um, the panels are rated at 20 degrees Celsius. So if they say it's a 400 watt panel, it's 400 watts uh, when it's 20 degrees Celsius. Now I've got a grid tied solar array at home and that was part of it when we got involved at school. It's like, I have to have one of those. And Danielle actually got one for her home as well. But um, 
the on uh, my system at home is is a ground based system so just like you see on on the uh, the visual here i can clear the snow off of our see at at school on the SeaTac building we have the solar panels but uh, because it's on the southern part of the roof and we have a prevailing sort of a north wind, a little bit of snow comes around and it swirls in. There's sort of an, an eddy current that deposits the snow on top of the panels. So we may not get production in November, December, January, February. But at home, um, I'm able to clear the snow off. And I actually get uh, my best production, would you believe, was in March of this past year. Really? Yes, because it was so immensely cold. Uh, plus, like the power was, um, the system at home was rated at uh, about... Um, like 5.4 kilowatt and I was getting up to about 6.1 kilowatt on the coldest days because the the solar panels are actually producing uh, more power than what they're rated at there are so many people cheering against renewable energy I've heard from every single one of them this week on Twitter every single one of them has been tweeting at me this week because we've been talking about this people want it to fail it's true don't they People want wind turbines and solar panels to fail so they can write them off. I've never realized that as much or as deeply or strongly as I have this week. I've been slapped in the face with cynicism all week long. And yet here we are proudly walking through the quicksand. Isn't it fascinating, though? Have you noticed the same thing? Do you, do you, get, do you get cynics chiming in and chirping, or is it all positivity around what you're doing? Well, there, there is some, some uh, problems associated with each part. It's like the, the roof-mounted solar. Because of the solar, uh, because of the snow deposits, it, it is terrible to have no production for multiple months of the year. So if a person can go with a ground-based system where you can clear the snow off, and yes, it, it's, it's a bit of a pain where it snows, and I get up in the morning and I clear the snow off the panels. But when you realize you have a really really cold day and your production's going through the roof makes it worth it well and that's where when when the kids have been working like our team net zero when they've been working towards uh you know, figuring out how to turn, first of all, what is net zero? You know, they had to learn that. Um, and, and, and how do we get the building to be net zero? It was the kids that decided it wasn't us telling them, okay, you're going to put solar panels on the roof and this is what you're going to do. It was the kids that figured out what they wanted to do. And one of the, they decided that solar would be the way to go. They've also worked on applying for grants and receiving thousands of dollars in grant funding and and making connections at some of the other conferences and stuff that the kids have gone to. Like we they went to uh, Inside Education's Navigate and Generate conference here this spring and made some connections with some groups that then turned into thousands of dollars worth of grant funding. Um, to to put ground mounted solar in front of the SeaTech building and so it, it's it's coming the, there's positivity because it's coming from the students it's not us saying this is what you're going to do or bringing in a solar expert that says this is what you need to do to get the building net zero it's the kids doing the work and the research okay principal erickson i'm just going to give you a warning here um we're about to take a break i'm, I'm not going to get you in trouble no. but we're going to get just like the tiniest bit political in one second because we've got some comments questions in the live chat around curriculum we're gonna get just the tiniest little bit political but i won't get you in trouble i promise hey all this talk about solar as if i'm not going to remind you that our good friends at kubi renewable energy are western canada's busiest 
solar installers. I mean, they're doing work right now. You can check out their projects at kubienergy.ca. Look at these installations in BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Northwest Territories. I absolutely love some of these home solar power systems they featured in Canmore, BC. Look at that. They're not ugly anymore. You remember that? Like back in the early days where you'd say that house looks so beautiful, but those solar panels look a little tacky. Not anymore. The clean integration into these beautiful homes, all courtesy, of course, of Kubi Renewable Energy. These are people in Western Canada. Shout out Meadow Lake, Saskatchewan. Shout out Parkland County. Or what about people that are doing the commercial installations? Red Deer Polytechnic with a big one. The Edmonton Convention Center. You've obviously seen that installation. That's one of Kubi's most prominent ones. These are groups that have put, well, uh, priority on the exact kind of stuff that we're talking about right now. That road to net zero and environmental sustainability. Kubi Energy was recently voted the best solar installation company in Kamloops. A shout out to them and they're hiring right now. If you're an electrician or you're an apprentice and you'd love to help drive Canada's green energy move forward, you can check out the careers link today at kubienergy.ca. Meantime, if maybe a field in academia is appealing to you, you're hearing from an award-winning teacher, an award-winning principal, and we haven't even heard of what Hannah's doing at the U of A, but I can, I can give you a hint. She wants to be a teacher, too. You can check out AthabascaU.ca today. It's Canada's open university. AthabascaU, the reason why literally tens of thousands of Canadians are trusting their post-secondary journey to AU is because they've got world-class accredited programs and courses, but they've also got the flexibility where you drive your own learning. You learn at your own pace on a schedule that suits your lifestyle. You know, grandma falls ill in Thunder Bay and you got to travel. You're not falling behind in your classes. Meantime, the kids are at summer camp and you've got some extra time on your hands. You want to fast forward your learning. You can do it at Athabasca University. You can learn more about the admissions process today by visiting AthabascaU.ca. Why do we care so much about net zero? Why are we talking so much about this? Because we realize that we want to be good global citizens, right? That includes oil sands operators. They're not trying to hide the fact that everybody knows that oil sands operations contribute significant carbon emissions in Canada. So that's why the six largest companies are working together and with governments to take strides on the path to net zero from their operations. Now, part of this plan includes developing a proposed carbon capture and storage network by 2030, seven years from now. It's going to be one of the world's largest. You can learn more by visiting pathwaysalliance.ca. You know, there's another way that you can pursue sustainable operations on your own home front. And a lot of people, when it comes to their landscaping or moving back toward drawing in pollinators or integrating native plants and grasses into their landscape, it's a huge part of the design work that the team at Eden Landscaping is doing. And I know this personally because we are, as a family, working with them right now. They're helping us bring our outdoor space to life. And I can't wait for the big reveal, Real Talk in just a couple of weeks. It's been such a pleasure working with their team, seeing them brainstorm and bring our vision to life with their expert touch. They're a custom landscape builder with more than 20 years of on-the-ground experience in Edmonton and area. You know, whether it's hardscape you're looking for, maybe a water feature, could be an outdoor kitchen you've always dreamed of. They do it all, and they're proud of their problem-solving. You can get in touch with Eden Landscaping today by visiting landscapeedmonton.ca. 
We're hanging out with uh, three of the straws that stir the drink at New Mernham School. They drove in two hours this morning to be with us from Mernham, Alberta. It's Daniel Erickson. She's the principal there. Uh, Robert, Mr. T. Tomofichuk, a uh, teacher, and Hannah Sarek, a recent graduate from from New Mernham School. So someone in the live chat, Plain Power, says uh, they must not be following the Alberta curriculum. And, and it's just a sort of a tongue-in-cheek comment if I'm, if I'm reading it appropriately because I think a lot of people, quite rightfully, have been concerned about the state of Alberta curriculum with this controversial rewrite. And you've get a, you get a lot of politicians into the mix talking about it as insufficient or where it needs to go. And, and ideology gets intertwined into this. I'm not sure how political you want to get, but when it comes to sort of blazing new trails, right? When it, when it comes to the approach that you and your colleagues clearly have uh, to, to inspiring and educating these young kids, how do you do that within the confines of, you know, things like expectations on curriculum? Absolutely. Um, I have zero interest in getting political uh, today. However, um, I, I, I have had that same question just from, from my own family members. Uh, when we first kind of started, our first project was a, a renewable greenhouse, uh, or not a renewable, uh, it was a sustainable, sustainable green. greenhouse. That's what we called it. Uh, and the idea was let's use passive solar heating to make the greenhouse uh, something that we could use earlier in the spring and later in the, in the fall without the addition of electricity. Um, and, and the kids repurposed, we had uh, silver bubble wrap that, uh, that my science seven class decided that they wanted to, uh, to, to use to, to reflect some of the heat from the back of the building, back at the plants. We had giant black um, uh, tubs. like tubs, like water tanks, right? That the kids um, filled, with, uh, filled with, with water because we learned water has a high specific heat capacity and it could absorb more heat through the day and then release that heat through the through the summer or through the throughout the course of the of the evening um and all of those things I remember explaining to some of my family like this is the project and this is how it's going and and they all went oh well that's a very nice like that's very nice and well and good but when do you do the curriculum yeah well what do we do in science seven we talk about heat and temperature and we talk about how when particles heat up um they move faster and they expand and we talk about you know how water has a high specific heat capacity and and we could do those things and I could show them a YouTube video and I could give them a worksheet and and teach them and give them a vocabulary test about what heat and temperature really is or I could take that learning and put it in a real world situation so I don't see what we're I, I and and that's kind of a weird shift like and and uh Mr. Gamblin if he's listening has taken the opportunity a couple of times to remind me that I was not always on board with this as a teacher because huh. it's different. It's, it's a different way of, of teaching and it's a different way of thinking about education. But once you start, like you can't stop, but see how things that you're doing in the classroom can be applied to the real world and then sink in and, and the kids can hold on to that learning more and they're more engaged and they're more excited about what they're learning about, yeah. but it's still the curriculum. It's still, and this, I mean, this was a six years ago, so it wasn't any new curriculum or anything. Um, but no matter what you're doing, oh, and then this is, yeah, this is, this was part of it. Like the kids were we're learning about so many different pieces of curriculum, but they were doing it in the real world. And to me, that just was so much more engaging for the kids. Um, we also had a very recent example uh, 
where the students had our kind of our big eco classroom that they had built uh, a couple of years ago. And Mr. T and I kind of, well, he in shop class one day said, okay, well, we need to move this building. It needs to go from point A to B. I don't know how many feet it had to move. And like, how are we going to do it? We just, and, and we just gave it to the kids. And, uh, and the kids immediately, they're like, well, we're going to get a backhoe or we're going to get, you know, some piece of equipment. And he said, no, 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 no. You have to use just you. Yeah, here it is. Yeah. Just you. Okay, so for people listening on the podcast, describe what's happening Oh here. my gosh, this was so cool. What, why learn about mechanical advantage in science if you can't apply it? Right. Yeah, so and, we, we, and we do it backwards. So essentially, like, we've got a job to do, and we're going to learn the curriculum through those jobs. Hannah, are you one of these students that's doing this? No, 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 I wasn't. But um, no, I remember hearing about this. You were inside comfortable in your hydroponic lab. Oh, yeah. I remember hearing about this. I remember hearing, oh, yeah, they're moving the eco classroom. And I was like, okay. Like, yeah, so, so what are they doing? Are these four by fours? Like these are like posts, kind of like fence posts kind of things they're putting underneath and rolling it, pulling yeah, it with a just, rope, Yeah, just right? fence yeah. posts. So we, so we approached the kids and like Robert approached the kids and the science science seven eight teacher and said, this is what you have to do. How are you going to do it? And so they, they started with... Um, not being able to move the building because if, if you're watching the video it's cold like there's still snow on the ground we had to and shovel it's really icy it's really icy <laughs> like it was hard to move the building yeah. um but we had a couple of big um well you talk about the boards uh whatever they are that that we that the kids used as a lever and they had to figure out where to put the fulcrum so that they could use the least amount of of force on the end of the of the lever to lift the building so we could get the fence posts underneath because they decided they wanted to use these fence posts and sort of portage the the building forward and that worked but we had to we had to figure out how to lift the building and the kids are like we can't lift that building it's too heavy like it's not possible and then we had the the smallest kid in the class once we got the lever and the fulcrum in the right place Place, the smallest kid could push down on the end and lift it and she's maybe 70 pounds soaking wet you know what I mean so yeah. like but we so we did that instead of like here's a worksheet this is a lever this is a first class lever or, this or, is a second class or lever. you know learn, learn through the worksheets and then say okay what happens in the real world and then the kids kind of you and adults look at this and they say well I don't know because there's yeah. almost like a disconnect between uh, what you've been learning in school and the real life. And we kind of flip things around a little bit. It's like we're going to do the real life stuff and then link it to the curriculum. It'll be like, oh, my God. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Well, and you look at how different people learn. I love this comment from Justin in our chat. He says academic versus practical learning is a big deal. He says some learners are not able to grasp concepts from tests and from lectures mm -hmm. alone. He says practical Absolutely. learning. Justin says for me is huge. He says it was the difference between U of A and Nate. There's an example. I think of my own brother, Jonas, my youngest brother. Um, I don't know if he wants me talking about that. I don't think he'd care. But, like, he struggled in school. He really did. Like, you know, and, and, uh, and he went to get his ticket. He became a journeyman cabinet maker. So he went to SAIT and he got his ticket. But you put that guy into a problem-solving situation when a Jeep won't start or when you're trying to figure out suspension in a tuner car or, 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 or now he's, he's the master grower. He's operations manager at our cannabis uh, license producer. He's a, the, 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 the plants that he is growing and the tech that goes into that. I would love to introduce you to him sometime, Hannah, because he is so passionate. I mean, his application is cannabis, but his skill set is agriculture and yeah. science, right? I mean, that. but you talk to him, he's brilliant he's brilliant but it didn't work for him to sit in chemistry 10 oh let's be honest chemistry 13 yeah. and uh and, and and that just wasn't for him but that i think that there have been so many kids 
uh, young adults that through the years have probably even had this self-fulfilling prophecy, believing to themselves when they get the paper back from the teacher and it says D yep. or it says C minus, they start to believe that they're not that good at it mm-hmm. or even worse that they're not that smart exactly. and nothing could be further from the truth. Absolutely. Yeah. And and through these projects, so I'm, I'm so glad that you bring that up because through these projects, we have had students where they 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 weren't the most academic kids and and school was a struggle for them for a lot of different reasons um but when they come to murnham and they start doing these projects they like school they might not like anything else right now but they like shop with mr t how cool is that and they build some confidence and they they build these these other skills besides just the curriculum. They build the problem solving skills, the communication skills, um, collaboration, that critical collaboration, thinking, teamwork, everything. It's all the whole of package. those pieces, and they start getting some confidence um, to the point where, and, and it's 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 noticeable for us in a short period of time. So I went on a maternity leave actually in March of 2020, yeah. um, and and there was one particular student that when I returned 18 months later he came up to me the first day of school came up to mrs erickson it's so good to see you and i looked at him and i was like who in the heck is this kid i don't know (laughs) he's like eight feet tall i have no idea who this is because when i left he was the kid that had the hoodie up yeah and he and and don't talk to me never heard his voice never nothing like ran away from the school multiple times in junior high like did not like to be there and then I came back from this mat leave and I, I had to look at whoever was sta- teacher standing next to me. I said, who is that kid? And when they told me, I didn't believe it. Cause yeah. it just the, the change that we can see even in a short period of time in student confidence is, is huge. And I, and I credit the, the project based approach because then even if you're not a good student, you don't like school necessarily, you can still be successful and have a way to contribute meaningfully to these projects. I love, you should see the comments here. Uh, Michelle says this type of learning, this approach to learning would be amazing for, for an application like social studies as well, like immerse students in different cultural environments, uh, doing community social outreach. There'd be such important lessons to learn. Now, we're talking to Mr. T and you and, and Hannah, we're talking about hydroponics and net zero and, and that kind of stuff. But is this is this like does this describe um, kind of the, the holistic approach. Like if, if I interviewed a math teacher from New Mernham School, we, we got, by the way, Sylvia saying uh, she and her nephew were discussing math last week as they were cutting a pizza. Well, like there, there's a practical way to Smart. understand math. Is this, is this a, a comprehensive approach regardless of subject matter? hundred yeah. percent. We have uh, like our, our junior high humanities teacher, Alyssa Kalinchuk is amazing. Um, she's one of my assistant principals. Robert's actually an assistant principal as well. Um, and, and her entire course, her entire curriculum is project-based. She does everything project-based. Um, we had a math teacher a number of years ago have a single student in, uh, in, in a math class. I want to say it was, uh, math 10 dash three, maybe, uh, had a single student in that class and was learning about surface area. And they, they painted the tennis court lines on our all weather surface. That's next to the building. Yeah. He was the one who had to decide how much paint to buy. And he was the one that mapped out the area and had to look at what's the size of a tennis court and all these things. So like, Scale proportion. Scale proportion. He yeah, yeah. We made. He had to draw like a to scale smaller uh, like uh, map of of the of the tennis court and what it would look like. So you've got ratio. You've got all of these pieces, and he had to figure out how much it was going to cost him for paint and provide a budget to like the principal at the time. And so like this sounds it, to me to be a student who's ready to start a painting business in the summer. Right? Some do. 
Yeah. Yeah, honestly, they've a very entrepreneurial um, group. And that's, that's what we want to instill with the kids too. Like sometimes through the years, we've had uh, like an entrepreneurial program where the kids have these little businesses and they look Hannah, at their input costs. Oh, Hannah. Do you remember your business? I oh, bought I so many things from you. Hannah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, tell us about it. I, um, it was a CTF class and we got to What's like. What's that? So uh, it, it stands for career Career Technology Foundations, right. okay. CTF. So is that it's like, the new it's like, calm? It's, it's, no. it's, no. like, it's like shop, but for junior high. Oh, yeah. cool. Okay. So so it's it's very flexible. So we got to like make our own business. So I started my business. I think it was called Prairie Spa. And I sold like bath salts and sugar scrubs. And yeah, I I made lots of money off that. But. That, that you made. And then <laughs> Hannah, like, were you making the product? Yeah. Yes. Well, how did you know how to do that? Well, it was like, it was the funnest class and like we got to like research all of our things and then we had to like propose our businesses and make like slideshows about it and like your profit and how you're going to like brand everything and we had to learn about marketing and we were, we were really young. And an environmental spin. I remember buying a jar of something and if I returned my jar, I got you know, more product at a, at a discount. She smart. was very, Returning very customers. smart. Yeah. Yes. Very smart. No, it was, it was so fun. And lots of people did like woodworking and everything. It was, it was so crazy. And we were so little looking back and like we had little businesses and we all profited and everything. And, you know, it was fun. Do you have like when I, I find that, you know, some people, this is like every generation does this, right? And every generation looks at kids these days, right? All they want to do is look at their screens or all they want to do is, you know, and, 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 and quite honestly, do you know what generation you are? What are you called? Are you Gen Z? I'm Gen Z, yeah. You're Gen Z. Okay, so the millennials are ahead of you, yes. right? The millennials are getting a bad rap. And, yes. and here's, the, here's the read on millennials is everybody thinks that they're, they're entitled whiners, that they're babies, that don't, and, and Danielle's kind of going, I'm technically a millennial. Are you really <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am technically young enough to be a mon- hey, like right well, on the cusp. First of I'm all, an elder congratulations millennial. to you for being an elder millennial. I'm pretty sure I'm Gen X. Do you know what you're? You Gen X? Oh God, Mr. I'm, T? I'm an old timer. Who born, knows? Born, born in '69. You know? Yeah. We're ready for the boneyard almost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 people look at, at the young generation sometimes I think and they go they don't they you know they, they they don't sort of like understand the value of like earning your stripes or putting in oh, your time yeah. all this kind of stuff and then we meet someone like you hear about your classmates or there's this 14 year old journalist Wyatt Sharp that joins us on the show sometimes he's just incredible I, and I see this this young generation and it and it actually gives me a lot of hope and it actually inspires me and leads me to believe and and maybe better word to use is understand that there is so much promise, that there is so much potential, that the future is in good hands. When you're talking to your friends, your classmates, like people of your vintage, yeah. let's say like the high school students at New Burnham School, maybe first year university students, what do you think is driving them? Like, is there is there an awareness? Are people looking at things like climate change? Are people looking at things like rising cost of living? Are people looking at, at things like unrest around the world? And do you think that that is, is having an influence on, on what you you and your friends are choosing to do when it comes to your next level of studies or even maybe ultimately what you'd like to do for a job one day? Well, I think like for me, I come from a very agricultural background. Like we have a big farm. We like big operation. What kind of farming do you guys do? Grain. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, I was really, really, really interested in the hydroponics because, you know, we dad plants the seeds in the ground and, you know, he it's like 
it's he doesn't really touch it you know the way like he doesn't mess with the pc or the like all that kind of or the ph i mean or any of that so it's really fun like i thought it was my own little twist and i could be my own little farmer and you know it was fun like and i get to kind of connect with him in that kind of way but also like teach him about these new farming practices and how like beneficial it could be and like how like you could have this in your home and like even if you live in a small apartment you could buy like the little hydroponic sets and like you can grow your own herbs and lettuces and like that's saving you money ultimately and like lowering carbon emissions if you can kind of grow your own food that's yes. like very very local if it's in your house yeah no kidding so you want to be a teacher yes you're going to the u of a in the fall yeah yeah, what is it that drew you to education? Did these two have anything? I mean, they're sitting right here. I'm putting you yeah, in the you top have spot. Yeah, you have to say that <laughs> She's going to be like, these two have nothing you. to do with it. Did, did these two have a little bit <laughs> no of, of an influence there? Oh, yeah. It was, I think the school really inspired me that I wanted to be a teacher. Like, my mom is a teacher. And, oh, yeah. you know, it was like, when I seen how cool teachers could be and, like, how fun they could be, like, I didn't think that I would be, you know, growing lettuce with my teachers. And, like, that's so weird. I thought that they were, like stereotypically they're just supposed to like yell at you in a classroom you know yeah but this is like so much different like they're so cool like doing all these projects together and like we're really connected I think I don't think there's much of a barrier between the teachers and like the students I think we're like really connected and that makes wanting to be a teacher like really cool you don't hear a lot of students say that about their teachers that there's not a real barrier that it's kind of more of a I mean, I'm sure sometimes you've got to crack the whip a little bit. Well, you know, Not it's it's often. it's an odd thing because the, the classes are small. We have an incredible connection with the kids. A lot of times I, I don't describe our place as a school. It's more like a, like a family gathering where we happen to learn. But there's, there's that accountability because we know each other. And, you know, wow, what, what an educational experience to have, you know, that level of... Um, kind of connection with the students the way it should be yeah well and when you have that project-based approach and and the the reason why it's it's maybe hard for teachers to jump into something like that is because the teacher is no longer the expert so like when I was doing the the greenhouse project with Robert for the first time and I had my group of students I knew how to teach science seven I didn't know how to build a greenhouse and I don't know how to use a tape measure. I don't, I'm not comfortable with the table saw. I don't want to use the drill. Like I don't know how to do any of those things. And so it's stepping outside my own comfort zone as an adult and letting the kids take the reins a little bit. And it does, it changes the the power dynamic. Hannah used the word barrier. And I think that that's interesting that you don't want to put barriers up, but when I'm the boss and I'm the leader and I know everything and you just have to learn from me, then that that automatically kind of puts up a bit of a barrier sure. and when we're when we're doing this project based learning like you should see the the classes and when the kids are working they have like a, a group meeting at the beginning of their class um and and Robert doesn't lead the meeting the kids like team net zero team hydroponic like whoever's team, the lead team tiny home it's, team the, tiny it's home. the students that are yeah are, are doing it the interesting part too is we had an inquiry from from um, a county that was interested in incorporating hydroponics and agriculture into their classes and they had contacted me for lesson plans <laughs> and I laughed <laughs> it's like like it's the, the students that are There's actually no directing plans. it. No, it's the students that are doing it because they're the ones figuring it out. They're the ones that are doing it, solving the problems. When we started the project-based work, uh, the fun part was uh, the students, um, like some of these projects are really complicated, and the students were saying, well, you know, well, how do you do it? And I says, well, I don't know. And they'd ask another adult, and the you know, adult says, I don't know. 
And we, have, we told the kids we have some ideas, but we certainly don't know. And when the kids realize that we really, we're, not, we're not messing with them, that we, we don't know, it, it does change the learning around where it's their learning. And we're there to support and encourage and, you know, do the grandmother thing. Ooh, ah, how'd you do that? It's yeah. amazing, guys, check this out, you know. But it's, it's, it's a different way of learning, different way of doing things. I, I want to jump back into our live chat because sometimes I tell you, you guys should hear this, right? You should hear what people are saying. Like Shirley says, what a positive environment. What hopeful conversation for the future. Uh, forward-looking, challenging, conventional thinking. You can feel the momentum around this topic, and that is hope. How's that for feedback on the live chat, Sylvia, or rather, uh, Shirley? Thank you for sharing that. And we've got a lot of people here that are tying this into what they're hearing here to their own education experience. People are saying, I needed an environment like this. A lot of people are saying this took me well into my adult years. Um, someone just with the handle, what, says the inspired are doing all the talking here. The one who inspired them is sitting silent and smiling. I love that. That's a shout out to you, Mr. T, to a certain degree, I think. And, um, you know, a lot of, you know, Ken says what practical teaching, what a great experience. Uh, Ken says he was part of junior achievement of JA for a short time. He said they'd go in and teach business, but I think that this is better to be in fused or integrated into a full course how about this from michelle i've never wanted to move my kids from the city to this school more than right now you're going to get people starting to check out they're going to go on mls.ca or whatever the website is and start looking well, at we at get we get that right listings in we do. I, well, I bet honestly, you yeah, do yeah we get these calls and it's like uh you know um you know, they want to know, you know, uh, transportation. They want to know geography. Look at uh, prices of, of, you know, land around the area. It, it's 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 unique. And the, the the number one comment we get from the adults: I wish I had, you know, this is my school experience. Um, I'm I'm uh, googling real estate listings, <laughs> Murnham, Alberta, as we speak. Let's see. Here we go. Murnham Homes for sale. Yeah. Oh, geez. Look at this. Three bedroom, two bath, thousand square feet, single family, detached. Reasonable. One hundred and forty four k. Yeah. Very reasonable for a home. You want to come on down, get, Ryan? Get, get, We'd get love yourself to have a farm you your for one point six mil. <laughs> I'm seeing a bunch of houses here for under two hundred grand. That's uh, that looks pretty good to me. Um, I've buried the lead. By the way, uh, what kind of a lousy interviewer waits until, you know, 50 minutes in to start dropping like praise and prizes? Why don't we look into your trophy case for a second? Okay, Mr. T uh, won, and this is why you were on the show last fall, a Prime Minister's Award for Teaching Excellence. Not many people have won that award. Uh, You are currently shortlisted, and we're going to talk about this in a sec, uh, the top 10 for the world's best school prizes in the environmental action category. Okay, Uh, you're you're shortlisted. I'm going to get to that in just a second. You're the only school in Canada on the list. And Uh, and there are five different categories. So there are 50 schools total. In the world. In the world. And we are the only school in Canada that was shortlisted. You just won an Alberta Emerald Award in June in the youth category where the Lieutenant Governor, Salma Lakhani, uh, met up with you. You received your seventh consecutive A-plus for energy grant. Uh, your sco- student-led Team Net Zero is, uh, as mentioned, turning a village-owned building into Net Zero. Um, you've had matching funding from or- from multiple. I don't have time to read all these organizations. Um, th- this is absolutely incredible. Let's talk about this world's best school prize. I want to I want to shout this out. So so there's one school in Canada on this list, and it's you. Uh, people can check out T4, the number four T4 dot education. Uh, what does it mean to be recognized? as the only school in Canada on a short list of 10 on planet Earth. It, it's unbelievable. Actually, but you know, like you don't realize how incredible it is until you look at some of the math 
and you know there there's the schools in Canada and the schools in the U.S. and across North America and then worldwide and it's it's humbling it's absolutely humbling. Do you realize like the school you grew up in? Like do you do you kind of I know that when it's like asking somebody you know what's it like to be Wayne Gretzky's son? He's like <laughs> I don't know I just have always been Wayne Gretzky's son I don't know what it's like. Did, did, does it like how how does that land with you to be having just graduated from a school that's recognized as one of the best on the face? Of, like there's there's like how many is it seven and a half eight? What's global population eight billion now seven and a half billion ten schools? Like how does that land with you? It is. The weirdest feeling ever. I bet. I remember when I heard about it, I was like, oh, really? Like us? And I was like, well, it makes sense. But I was like, how? Like, that is crazy. Like, in a world full of people, we're on the list. And I think that's, like, absolutely crazy and just mind-blowing. Because, like, I don't know. It's it's just insane that we're part of that. And, like, I think lots of people underestimate, underestimate Murnham because we're such a small community, you know. And, um... Like, no, like we could do, we're doing a lot of world changing stuff here. Like it's, it's pretty remarkable. The projects that we're doing at such a young age. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Uh, I want to make sure that I don't forget anything. And I mean, I feel like we could talk for 10 hours about what's going on right now, but you know that you're going to get a whole bunch of people, like thousands of people are going to hear this and they're going to be talking about, they're going to be challenging their administrators. They're going to be talking to their kids, teachers in the fall. You might've made a few enemies as a matter of fact, from other <laughs> schools. That's, that's not what we want. We no, want inspiration, I'm not kidding. I'm kidding, but a lot of people are going to be realizing after hearing this that there's a lot of potential maybe that their schools could pursue as well. What would be like the one thing that you would leave? Uh, You'll hear young learners. I mean, Hannah's friends and young people are going to hear this, um, and then you're going to hear people of our vintage and and people that are older as well. What would be like one takeaway that you'd like people to walk away from? Um, I, I I think one thing that I would, that I would throw out there is try something new no one will die. Like, like try something new, try a new way of, 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 of teaching in your classroom. If you're an administrator, um, you know, try to encourage your staff to try maybe a project-based approach, maybe something new to try to hit all of these different learners and, and a, a way to, a way to take that education out into the real world. Because once you do, you just like, you get this taste for it and you can't, you can't stop, like you can't stop seeing how you can take real life, real world learning into the classroom. And, and so just, I guess, just, just try it. No, nothing, no one will die. It's, it's fine. Give it, give it a try and, uh, and, and see what happens. Cause I think that grassroots change in education is, is how we in Murnham have, have shifted our education and the kids learning and the culture of the school. Um, and I, I think that that's, I think that that's what education needs. If it's going to change, I think it's going to come from grassroots, from, from teachers and from administrators. Totally agree with you. Uh, Mr. T don't use the student's name. Okay. We'll, we'll pre- preserve and protect anonymity here, but would you, would you tell us a quick story about a student w- with whom you saw a major transformation? Like, I mean, you know, uh, principal Erickson shared with us like that, you know, the, the, the guy that was like, you know, in the hoodie and kind of keeping to himself and then later has, has this enthusiasm and this inspiration and maybe a little bit of a healthy bro- Bravado as he walks through the halls and, and says that he loves school, which is so wonderful. Can can you think of another student? Uh, you don't have to say who they are, but you know a story that really that really inspired you or, or had you feeling at the end of the day that it was all working according to the plan. Yeah, yeah. There, there's been lots of uh, lots of students I could think of. Uh, one in particular was um, it was actually during COVID. 
Um, this, the student was really, really introverted. Uh, we, um, we got an inquiry to do a gravestone restoration project where there was a bunch of unmarked graves in a local cemetery and the uh, school has access to like a CNC router. And would you believe this uh, um, student and his um, younger sibling end up coming in um, not only in June, but extended it into July, where they put in volunteer time to work on these gravestone markers and essentially um, had the elderly group come in from the cemetery to accept these markers. And those kids flourished like they were, one, one of the students was so shy and introverted that when you'd kind of, you know, um, visit the family that they would hide. And here the student is, is leading, you know, their community and, and helping out and they know that. And it was, it was so empowering to see them change that they're, they're not the same students anymore. Like wow. they, they were just, you know, the, the project-based work too was a safe environment for them. Because when you're working on things, it's, it's easy for you and I to get together. We may not know each other and we're working on this. Hey, Ryan, can you hold this? Ryan, can you help me out with that? And it's not just that uh, immediate part that's socially kind of weird. It's just we're working together and we have this job to do and all this, the amazing things happen with that. Wow. Now, so they're doing the physical restoration. Was, was there any deep dives into the history? Were they, doing, were they learning a little bit about these people that they were honoring and the families and the legacies? Well, it was, it was interesting because we were provided with a, a list of um, internments you know, with the, you know, birth, the, you know, when you're born and when you die and a little bit epitaph and in, in some cases. And essentially we were uh, programming it into a computer and cutting them out onto um, uh, pieces of plywood and then they would finish it. And they had almost like a personal connection with, with some of those, those people because you spend hours and hours to make up these gravestone markers and then actually see them implemented in local cemetery. And, and otherwise it's an unmarked grave, like the fires uh, went through in the old days and they destroyed the wooden crosses. Right. And to bring back, um, you know, like so they don't become unmarked graves was a really big deal. That's a huge deal. I, I wasn't expecting that answer. Like that's, a, that's a, that, on sort of a number of levels. That is such a major contribution. It's got to make you and, proud and to be graduate of service. school like that. Hey, and yeah. community service. And like, I mean, just the, the, the layers of learning that are being done here on what it means to be a, a good community citizen, Hannah, right? Oh, yeah. It's, it's crazy. Like, all the things that we are able to do for the community. And it feels good. Like, that CJ's restaurant that we have in town, like, everyone leaves at lunch and they're all at CJ's. That's, that's the thing. you got to get their poutine. Um, uh, why are you now? I got to drive two hours to go get poutine, which I will do. You, you have got to visit it. Ryan. Oh, I'll, do, I'll drive two hours for good poutine. And it's, it's nice being able to provide them with like products that they can use and then give back to us and give back to the community. And it's, it's really nice to see. And it makes me feel proud that I came something from something that was able to do that. Yeah. Um, uh, Nudes wondering, are, are most of the students local or do they come from a, a large, do you draw from a large area? Do you, do you have people that, that sort of are busing their kids or driving their kids in from, I mean, you have some real commutes? Um, yeah, a little bit. Uh, my own family included. Um, I actually live uh, in Vermilion, Alberta and drive to Murnham every day for work. And I kind of, sometimes I get this question of, why do you drive all the way to Murnham every day? And I look and go, 
like and then we have conversations like this and you think why wouldn't I like why wouldn't I go and so uh I have a 10 year old uh who joined who joined the school and and was in grade five this year with uh with some shop classes with Mr. T so um most most are local families and and local farm families uh but yeah there's a few like that 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 get get transported in yeah i love this from alberta girl who says it's kind of of sad in a way that something like this is actually so rare um in in a province where governments push innovation but it seems like only in the business world not in the classrooms i think that you guys are inspiring a bunch of people right now alberta girl also mentioned this is kind of what homeschoolers call unschooling Uh, my cousin anna they they operate a a a wool farm like they, they raise sheep for wool and they have their own mill and everything outside winnipeg it's just an amazing operation and they pulled their two kids out of school. They are unschooling their kids, and they're two of the smartest kids you ever meet in your well, life. Well, Ryan, should I also mention, um, like we do have New Murnham School, the brick-and-mortar building, um, but a few years ago uh, we started the Murnham Outreach and Homeschool Program mm. uh, that runs out of our building. Uh, and so this past year we had about 80 students there from grade 1 to 12. Um and uh, and and kind of hopefully the advantage that we that we give to some of our homeschool families or or families that just want to learn uh, remotely or learn from home, um, learn online is that uh, those students are able to join our sports teams. They go they compete at cross country running meets. Yeah, there it is. Um, they uh, and and anytime we we have like a PD day, we had a couple of PD days this past year where uh, we offered up to our MOHC, that's our acronym we use, uh, MOHC families. Uh, Mr. T had a number of kids that came in and learned how to use the CNC router one day. And we charge very minimal just kind of for the cost of materials. Um, and we had a, a, a retired teacher and our career counselor teach a one day sewing credit for their basics basic sewing and we use the the sewing machines from the school uh and so we try to integrate our mohc families and kids into the projects as much as we possibly can when they're learning remotely and learning from home but um try to integrate them into the school as much as possible okay so i'm so glad you mentioned that people can check out mohc.ca and we'll punch that into the show notes on the podcast and on youtube if people want to check it out every once in a while i'll see a slogan that i go that needs to be on a t-shirt your (laughs) website has one right here never let schooling enter with, with your, your education. education yeah what a slogan it's true i don't I literally just got chills i don't know why yeah. but i think i do know why that's just a very effective wow never let schooling interfere with your education thank you so much to the three of you for hanging out with us like thank, thank you oh, thank you awesome. so much Ryan. this thank is you. This is just like, well, you can tell like Robert and I, uh, because of the PM Awards stuff last fall, we've we've been very fortunate to have a few um, different media uh, availabilities, um, which you can find on our website as well on the big blue button uh, at MurnhamSchool.ca. It's like it says our projects and videos. Yeah. So so you can see what we've been doing for the last seven years. And then when you scroll down to the bottom, it says uh, media links since September. And it's, it's amazing because all these things kind of pile up in the portfolio and, and they're a keepsake because it's, 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 it's locked in time. It's a time capsule. And, and it's, been, it's been just such a blessing. Like this is my first year as principal and my superintendent, when we did our kind of our year end kind of evaluation, um, he, he looked at me and he said, you know, this isn't how most first year principals years end. <laughs> like they're not normally in the media this much. And if like this, this is not normal. And, and it's just been so amazing to be able to share this with, with the school and the staff and, and, 
and the students and and just to to be able to bolster the community and and to be able to sort of put them on the map to say there are some pretty amazing things here you should come to Murnham yeah yeah I don't I don't know what you're gonna do for your encore next year I wish you best <laughs> I wish you best of luck well, and, and hey Hannah you're in your first year of studies we wish you all the best um, thank you I, I, can I say having known you now for an hour uh, that whichever students you are placed in the trust in the care of, or you know, vice versa, um, what what a, what a lucky bunch um, to be able to learn from somebody like you who clearly has such a passion um, for education and also an understanding of the value of it. I always love seeing when bright young talent is entering the education field. You know, so very important. So thanks for making the trip in to talk to us. Yeah, thank you. You bet. And Mr. T, again, uh, just amazing. You know, you're, you're around someone sometimes, and I say the same thing about Principal Erickson. Um, they just exude. Like, I'm so glad we're not doing this on Zoom because you guys give off this energy, you know? And it's really like, I wish people, you know, people on the podcast could see your face. You've got a smile that you're going to, like, break your jaw right now with this <laughs> it smile. It actually hurts the cheeks. It, 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 you've, been, you've been smiling you know, for an and hour. <laughs> it's so oh, sorry, It's hard not to smile. Like, this is... This this is the most amazing thing. I actually, like, I feel blessed. You know, this is year 33, or I guess 33 for me, and it seems like, you know, an entire career went by just like yesterday, and I, I couldn't think of a better place on the planet to be right now, like work-wise. It, this, this isn't work, this is just a calling. It's the most amazing thing. So cool. Uh, to the three of you, thank you. Thank you for making the trip in. Again, newmernhamschool.ca, uh, and we'll punch that into the show notes as well so you can check out what they're doing. Uh, Give them a, a shout out. And, page. and uh, yeah, unbelievable. A-plus for Energy Grant Project, seven years in a row. No big deal. One of the world's best school prize nominees, 10 in the world. No big deal. And the Prime Minister's Award for Teaching Excellence. Again, you got it. No big deal. <laughs> Way to go to the three of you, and thanks for making time for us. Thank you. Okay, you're going to go hang out in the green room because the language is about to get a little salty in here. We have a... We no. have not we, good for school teachers it's ears. not good for school <laughs> teachers and students and we, you know it's it's, it's j- just bordering on professional but but it's a little tradition we call trash talk that's coming up in just a bit uh, thanks to our guests from new Burnham school hey when we talk about you know job opportunities career opportunities that come from having a very clear understanding of where industry is going the technology that is driving industry apex automation is all about this uh, they're taking industries like the energy industry mining brewing and more and they're automating it preparing businesses for industry 4.0 they've got a talented team that has made a name for itself across western canada down into the united states as well and that team is always growing as a matter of fact they're hiring engineers right now if you've got your png or if you're getting set to graduate maybe you're a year away from graduating from an engineering school anywhere in canada take a couple of seconds and reach out to them via apexautomation.ca. Never too early to start the conversation, to put in an inquiry if you're feeling under-inspired, you're feeling like you're just not reaching your potential, you're in a bit of a rut right now. This could be the sign you've been looking for. Visit apexautomation.ca. Hey, I want to thank all of the real talkers that hit us up on Instagram yesterday, some of you on Twitter as well, with photos of your blizzards that you had picked up from the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton or Sherwood Park. Yesterday, August 10th, was Miracle Treat Day, and we want to thank you for giving hope. Thank you for supporting the Stollery Children's Hospital Foundation. We'll have an announcement next week about the dollars raised, and it's, it's going to be a, an impressive number that will knock your socks off. I guarantee it. The Dairy Queens in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road have been unbelievable supporters of the Stollery Children's Hospital for many years now. 
and that happens because of people like you. Thank you for supporting the Stollery by supporting the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park at Miracle Treat Day. It's a great weekend to visit Friesen Brothers, and in particular, we want you to check out something that they've got going on. Their master bakers there have these handcrafted pies. These aren't the frozen pies you're going to get at some grocery stores. Friesen Brothers does it differently, and that includes their brand new handcrafted peach pies. This is Pies, these are pies that are baked fresh daily using 100% real peaches. These aren't coming from a can. And the crust, 100% Alberta flour. They're the ultimate treat to savor as summer winds down. You can find more information at Friesen.com slash pies. That's F-R-E-S-O-N dot com slash pies. Friesen Brothers for more than 65 years. Proudly Alberta grown and Alberta owned. And of course, we know that it's been a tough summer for a lot of families that have been dealing with the aftermath of fire or flood. In other words, a big rainstorm maybe that found those cracks in your foundation. Now you got a mess to clean up. Or maybe you're a community member that saw wildfire this summer. If you haven't yet placed your call, you want that first call in case of situations like this to be complete care restoration. It's a family-owned business. They've been around for a decade now, and they are Alberta's choice for fire damage, flood damage, mold, and asbestos removal. This is a team that takes every project as seriously as though it was their own home. We've worked with them. We have seen the high standard to which they hold themselves. Professional, respectful, and honest. Complete Care Restoration strives to exceed your expectations at every opportunity. You can give them a call at 780-454-0776 or find them online at completecarerestoration.ca. What a group to have here in on the Real Talk Roundtable, Johnny. I don't know about you, but I was thinking back to, to some of the teachers that made a real difference in my life mm-hmm. and also to some of the classes where I felt like I just didn't have a way to connect with the subject matter. Yeah. I think the experience would have been different at a place like New Burnham School. A hundred percent. And I, I feel like when you were talking about, you know, your brother and your friends who are kind of have a different learning experience. Yeah. I was the same way. And I, I said this in the chat, like algebra is kind of a foreign language to me, but like, give me a computer, give me something mechanical, put something in my hands and I'd, I want to take it apart. I want to know how it works. And that that looks like they're doing a lot of that. Like, screw this. Let's get up. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, salty language talking about kids in school. But let's go outside. Let's build the greenhouse. Let's plant, you know, the the garden. Let's let let's design and build our own electric efficient vehicle. And I think that for a lot of kids it is going to lead them on a path to be much like who you were talking about in your life to be, you know, really deal breakers and and people who change the world. And that's what we're seeing more today. Whereas like, you know, back in the day sitting like me, I just can't retain anything. Like I I have to read things like 10 times, 
But if you show me it and let me look inside, I get it right away. Right? I watch so, you do that every day. Yeah. <laughs> in here. I mean, I watch you figure out, uh, yeah. you know, you troubleshoot audio stuff. You figure mm-hmm. out stuff relating to, I mean, I can't even talk the language, so I won't even get into it. But but I can tell that about mm-hmm. you. But when we're talking about clean energy and stuff like that, we need those people out in the field. We need we need their minds to like see and, and do it. And I love Robert. He, it's, you can tell he really like, I'm sure all teachers love their job, but you can tell how yeah. much he loves when these kids get it, when the light goes off in their head, when they get excited about it, like Hannah was sitting here, right? So, you know, and you know, it'll be interesting to see as as these kids like age and grow, and we'll be able to look back and and you know, it, like I wonder what Hannah's ten year reunion is going to look mm-hmm. like, or her twenty year high school reunion. You're going to see how this learning and how this experience is manifesting itself and what they've gone on to achieve and um, really just amazing stuff. Can you imagine that reunion? It's going to oh. be it's going to be a room full of app developers and innovators right and, you know like. yeah exactly yeah very well said you can always we always want to hear your stories like all of this this relationship that i feel like we have this friendship now um with these three and and i'm sure that anybody associated with new Murnham school as well we're going to be hearing from you too i have no doubt about that but this all started with an email that that danielle sent to us like a year ago and uh and we want you to know that you know it means a lot to us when we hear from our audience members we got i i haven't seen seen like something happened this week on the show um we haven't seen a flood of emails in a long time mm-hmm. uh like we did this week and passionate and ones. yeah and i mean some of them you know we're gonna hear some in trash talk here this this is like a this is like a net zero renewables theme trash talk coming up here um but uh next week we're gonna get into some of them as, as well clearly this conversation this week has done something with this audience and we're hearing from a bunch of new audience members as well which is music to our ears and we sure appreciate that you could share this interview uh with any Anybody that you think might be inspired by it. They don't have to be from Alberta. They don't have to work in education. Uh, We sure appreciate whenever you let people know about Real Talk. Now, every Friday, our friends at Local Environmental Services, whether it's roll-off bins, water hauling, fence rentals, you name it, if it's in Alberta and Saskatchewan, we encourage you to keep it local at localenvironmental.ca. They give us a chance to, to, well, hand the floor over. to You got the conch here, basically. You got the mic. You've got something to say, and you want the province, you want the country to hear it. It's a tradition that we call Trash Talk! All right, this one from Mikey. Mikey says, bullshit. It's all bullshit. Every talking point that comes out of anybody associated with Alberta's government right now. All this talk for years about how they're the ones standing up for Alberta energy. Where is that now? Oh, right. It was always bullshit. It's never meant renewables. It was only a way to say oil and gas without saying oil and gas. You know, it'd be nice if this province stopped being run by the oil and gas cartels. You want to have a real conversation about oil and gas? We'd better change out our language and start calling them what they really are. Cartels. The UCP all of a sudden cares about landowners when they don't give a shit about landowners when it comes to oil and gas issues on their property. You know, they're concerned about a block of concrete in the ground and its environmental impact. A wind turbine? Really? I promised you salty language. Earmuffs, kids. Mikey says, fuck all the way off with that. If that was the case, they'd be throwing up their arms around the concrete pads for storage silos or barns that are placed on agricultural land. Contaminated soil from drilling. Water table issues from fracking. That, apparently, all good. Oh, they're listening to concerns from landowners, are they? Just more, you guessed it, bullshit. These concerns are not grounded in good faith. These are not valid. Wind turbines have been common enough now for 25 years. 
solar farms for the same amount of time. These concerns could easily have been answered by the mountain of research and data that's already been collected. They want to know what happens to the concrete base once a turbine reaches the end of its life. You put another turbine on the pad. You want the pad removed? That's a lot easier than soil remediation on a site. Solar, it's surface level. Break it down. Pack it up. They got concerns about sound. Look at the studies, the papers that have been written on noise pollution. They have concerns about end of life, some being 30 years from now. Funny, none of of them seem to be concerned about the end of life of oil and gas, which happens within days of it being extracted. This government could be providing scientifically researched information and educating, but no, they're just shutting it all down, which is the exact same tactic that it comes to action on climate change. We don't know. we got to study it some more, which means they're just ignoring research that's already been done. And these landowners, this government, concerned about land use and valuable agricultural land being removed for a turbine? Again, you got it, everybody. Bullshit! If the UCP was really concerned about this, they wouldn't allow a single development anywhere west of the Anthony Hende in Edmonton. They would see to remove all development in the area as well. That is some of the most agriculturally productive soil in the province of Alberta, and it's currently being covered up by houses, shops, and pavement. They would limit the building of development on agricultural land. If they were concerned about visuals and land use, all coal projects would immediately be cancelled in the province. So excuse me, you suddenly care about agricultural land, other land use, in a Logan Roy voice, says Mikey. Shout out to Succession. Fuck off. I did my best, Mikey. He says, please say that directly to the minister next time you talk to them. Well, I'm not going to do that, Mikey, but thanks for your submission to Trash Talk. How about this one from Gary? Gary says, I find your shows very interesting. Thanks, Gary. He says, the politicians, the other guests, the experts, their answers on subject matter, very good, except for one thing, says Gary. When worried about climate change, you're talking about the nation of Canada. We're like one and a half percent of world emissions. We've heard this before. Gary says, meaning we're a very small country, and I don't believe we're going to make any difference to global warming unless we deal with the other countries. The setting of our goals and targets is fine, but what we really have to deal with is getting our technology out and other countries interested in it. The next thing we must realize is we cannot phase out out oil and gas. That's where we get our fertilizer. How are we going to feed people? The next thing is plastics. Everything we use in our homes, how can we phase it out? The next thing would be products coming from oil and gas. They help us refine steel. That would mean a lot to buildings and vehicles and other things that require steel production. Gary's not wrong on any of this. He says, I think all our politicians need to do a little more research on what oil and gas is needed for unless we're going to end up going back to running horses and buggies. That from Gary. And this one from Alex to wrap it up. Alex says, I was really interested uh, to hear that email, Ryan, that you read from Amy. Boy, did Amy's email ever light a fire in the province. We, you know, that thing has been viewed like 50,000 times already. Never underestimate the power of sending an email into Real Talk. He says that email uh, shared by Amy outside Brooks, Alberta, about a proposed solar project uh, that was... Uh, or, oh, no, pardon me. That was Sarah outside Brooks. Amy was writing it about the Frank Lake Concerned Citizens Group. That was that solar project. I mean, they around the bird sanctuary, right? He says that proposed solar project that was denied due to the effect on wildlife. However, if any Anything. Doesn't that example prove that the process was already working? The best way to listen to all concerns is to consider all views on a case-by-case basis. In other words, what was already happening before the moratorium, uh, but now isn't happening because of the moratorium, says Alex. Says, I'm very concerned about the long-term effect of the pause on investor confidence, and I feel very badly for what this means for current workers in the renewables industry. Plus, shutting down jobs 
always has a ripple effect on the economy. Says Alex, a government shutting down all new growth in a particular industry for several months with no exceptions is, quite frankly, interventionist bullshit. Signs off in true Canadian fashion. Thank you and with respect. That from Alex to talk at RyanJesperson.com. You can send us your trash talk anytime. Our inbox is always open. Talk at RyanJesperson.com. And thank you for being the most engaged talk audience in Canada. Make it an incredible weekend, friends. We're back on Monday with more. In the meantime, thanks for your support of Real Talk. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, Executive Producer Josh Dunford, Technical Producer John Hicks, General Manager Katie Cook Chivers, Account Coordinator Lawrence Durlego, Human Resources Lena Shepherd, Website Design Mike Johnston, VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Supriya Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a relay project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.